electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, the crypto curse continues. Another lender and another exchange now under the microscope. Former SEC attorney Lisa Berganza on the SEC's latest allegations. We know that Gemini had been under investigation for this product for quite some time, more than a year. And yet the SEC allowed this to continue. And the GOP's next hurdle, agenda items in the newly Republican majority House with former majority leader Eric Cantor. In absolute numbers, people are still facing significant costs. You know, services, going out to eat, this is real for families, and we've got to get a handle on that. Those conversations, plus Tim Cook taking a pay cut, Tesla cutting its own price tags, and the Wordle. It's not just for fun, folks. It keeps you sharp, my friend. Well, that's clearly my problem. It's Friday. Phew. It's January 13th, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. In crypto land, listen to this, the SEC charging crypto firms Genesis and Gemini with allegedly selling unregistered securities. The two firms partnered back in 2021 on a Gemini product called Earn, which advertised yields of up to 8% for customers. It's like an interest product, effectively, an interest rate product. According to the SEC, Genesis loaned Gemini users crypto and sent a portion of that profits back to Gemini. It's also confusing because Gemini and Genesis sound the same. Uh, and then deducted an agent fee and returned the remaining profit to users. The SEC is saying that Genesis should have registered that product as a securities offering. Now, the leaders of those two, two firms, the Winklevoss twins and Barry Silbert, have been in a high-profile battle after Silbert's Genesis halted withdrawals. That was effectively a gating function, potentially wiping out Gemini's 340,000 earned customers. But it raises all sorts of new questions uh, about what Genesis and Gemini were doing, um, why the SEC to some degree didn't act sooner. This was a publicly uh, available or known product. It wasn't being done in secret. Uh, you could go onto their sites and see the earned product. Of course, now there's a question about what's going to happen uh, to all those customers. The other piece of it is, in some respects, um, there's a connection to FTX on one side, which was that uh, FTX uh, or Alameda, I should say, pulled back a loan uh, and whether they become uh, whether Gemini becomes a creditor of them and gets their money back. Um, and then there's a separate question, which the Winklevoss twins have effectively accused Barry Silbert of which is, was he commingling funds um, among his assets, which also, of course, include, or among his crypto projects, right. which include Grayscale. Yeah. So lots of questions, and nonetheless, Bitcoin moving higher today. We should also tell you about Apple CEO Tim Cook, who asked 
for and received a pay cut of more than 40% for 2023. Don't feel too bad for him, though. That's only going to bring his total compensation to $49 million. That would be down from his $84 million target from last year. In fact, Cook actually earned more than $99 million last year because of the price of Apple's stock. Remember, great year last year. The change came in response to last year's say on pay vote in which 64% of shareholders said that they approved of Cook's compensation. That was down from 95% saying they approved back in 2020. Forbes estimates Cook's net worth to be around $1.7 billion. He has joined the giving pledge, promising to give away most of his fortune to charity. But again, if you take a look at the stock, it's where it's come over his tenure, up by about 900 percent. Of course, it has been down over the last year. It was the year before that it was higher. And that's why those stock. Boy, 99. They couldn't get up to, to 100 million. It was over 99. So it was pretty close. Pretty close. Um, not a founder. Nope. A lot of money. No, a lot pick, of money for not, not a founder. But, Bomber. You can pick a bunch of guys. I mean, I mean the, the concern when he took over for Steve Jobs, when Steve yeah. Jobs left, there was such huge concern. People thought you couldn't run this company without him. And Tim Cook has done a pretty incredible job of coming yeah, up with new business lines. For we, don't, services we don't mention things. Steve Jobs much no. anymore. Yeah, he's done a great job. Tough shoes to fill, but he did. Filled them well. I don't have a problem with it. It's uh, performance-based. I mean, I don't know. You have anything you want to weigh in? You okay with You're that? Also I'm a shareholder. Well, you know, I I I, uh, I, I think the company walks on water. So no, I think it's yeah, fabulous. Okay. Really, ninety-nine million? How many? I'm okay with it. That's awesome. That's uh, that's good. That's Look good. at how successful it's a scale. I know. He created I, I, a remarkable scale of that business. Yes, yes. Preach, and preach, under, and under preach, baby. And underappreciated for the new products that have come out of Apple. In fact, most people think that. There haven't been a lot of new products or great new innovation, but I will tell you, where are my little earbuds? I actually think that that innovation is such, an, and if you think about just all of these, there, there are lots of little things that have been sort of mind-boggling. It's just the reason I'm, I'm saying it, and, and I, I've seen a lot of progress, I have, but there, there is a mindset that no one should get that much or be worth that much because they can't possibly, you know, he's done the giving pledge, but... These are people that think it's a zero-sum game, and they think that his 99 million, that there's, I don't know, another million people that could have used that $99 that he's not going to need, and that they would then use it in the economy from the ground up, and that all of us would be improved. There's a lot of people that, as, that as have that said, viewpoint, that there should be a cap that any one person is able to make in any given year, based on there's only so much to go around. Uh, he has pledged to give away. I know. I don't disagree with that, uh, but I think there's, there's, a, there's one other difference. Look, I'm trying to figure out how you got to this very good position that, that you have what? right now. Because I, I, I'm... No, it's a, it's a very successful company. It was successful under his leadership. Has this been an, an I'm evolution? Gonna give him the, I'm gonna Some of, somewhat of an evolution. For no, you. no, no, I'm going to give him the credit for it. The only thing I'd say, and this is not about Tim Cook, but just broadly, we've had yeah, this yeah, conversation. We have. I do, no, which I do believe, which is, do you think that some of these executives could get the same amount of money somewhere. It's not a real market. Right. And they've got buddies on the board, right. and there's an old boy network. I got all that. And then, and then it makes me think of uh, Margot Robbie, who's probably going to make $40 million in her next film. And she's very good. She's very, very good. Very good. She's Babylon. She's very good. But, and then you got, uh, what are we paying uh, Justin Verlander? And he's unbelievably good, especially for 40 years old. 
But you know, if you're really good at something, you are going to make a lot more. Right. You can make a thousand times what a really hardworking teacher makes. Now there may be an issue with that if you think about it on the grand I scale. Absolutely, I agree with that part too. We agree. We did. The, we fully agree on this. That's good because it's rare, right? And we usually switch. I end up being far left on things that you suddenly are far right on. It's bizarre. Big, but we, we're both sad about Bed Bath & Beyond. I know that. That's true, too. <laughs> Tesla is cutting prices in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, the move in the U.S. will uh, qualify more of Tesla's models for a federal tax credit, including the Model Y SUV and some configurations of the Model 3 sedan, which was a wordle word the other day. Um, the purchase price of that Model 3 drops from $63,000 to just under $54,000. The Model Y drops from $66,000 to about $53,000. You don't do it anymore? No, I haven't done it in a while. Sedan was kind of a weird, little weird construction, weird uh, letter constructed. Do you do it that day? You don't do it either? You're too busy? I'm Can't not. spend two minutes having a little fun with something your company bought? I do. I actually probably... I say three to four days a week. I say definitely on the weekends, but I feel like uh, I've been less consistent. Less consistent than I'd like it to be. It keeps you sharp, my friend. Well, that's clearly my problem. It's, uh, it's very evident. Go all the way through. Wordle, Quirtle, Octurtle, Sequence Octurtle, and Save Octurtle. Uh, it, save, the Save one is the one I like the best because it's, it's really hard. It's really good. Never even heard of that. It's really cool. They give you eight and they start it. They give you a couple where they start and then you've got to work from there and get it in less than nine, I think, or less than eight. It's hard to get eight. Yeah, it's really good. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, $900 million in customer crypto and the latest long effects of the FTX meltdown. We're talking more about the SEC's new charges against crypto firms with former chief of the SEC's enforcement branch, Lisa Braganza. When you're dealing with these sums of money and it's customer money, I would think the Winklevi twins had a little bit more obligation to dig deeper. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. The SEC has charged crypto firms Genesis Capital and Gemini for selling unregistered securities to investors. Joining us now with what it means to the already battered crypto market, though, by the way, maybe not so battered in just the past 
what, week and a half here. Uh, Lisa Bragan has, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm mispronouncing this, Chief Enforcement uh, Division, thank you, uh, of the uh, Chicago SEC. Uh, Lisa, why was this something that you think just happened now and not earlier? Because this was a, a public event, meaning people knew that this product Earn existed, uh, it was advertised, and it's taken quite some time for this to, to happen. Right. The, that is an interesting question. Um, the SEC has known about this product for a long time. Uh, we understand uh, based on a tweet today from or, or late last night um, from Tyler Winklevoss uh, of Gemini. We know that uh, that Gemini had been under investigation um, for this product for quite some time, um, more than a year. And yet, the this you know the SEC allowed this to continue for that period of time. They were in talks with Gemini, and then the crash happened in November. Um, you know because of FTX, Gemini was no longer paying any funds to customers, and two more months went by. So it seems to me that the the bigger issue, the thing that triggered this, was the answer that Gemini filed in a separate case, in a class action against Gemini, brought based on, uh, on behalf of Gemini customers for the failure to continue payments under the Gemini Earn right. pro product. But I, I guess program. the bigger question is, here we have a situation where all of these customers are now in trouble, right? They, they don't have access to, to, to their money. The entire point of the SEC is to protect the public from instances like this. This was something that the company knew was happening because they were under investigation, something that the SEC knew they were working on because they were investigating, and yet we got to this place. That is an interesting question. Uh, the, SEC, uh, the SEC has been clear for years that something like this EARN program is a security. So. It's puzzling why they didn't come to a resolution of this a long time ago, months and months ago. Right. So who, who do you blame, though, in this? Do you blame the SEC for not coming to a conclusion? Do you blame the Winklevi twins for offering the, uh, this product, if you will, to their customers? Do you blame Barry Silbert for offering this product to the Winklevi and their customers? I mean, where, how does it... How does it line up in your mind? Well, there's a lot of blame to to go around. Um, I I think Barry Silbert, it sounds like, has a lot of responsibility for this. Um, but the the Winklevi twins also seem to have just relied on uh, Barry Silbert providing from the parent company to Genesis uh, a, a guarantee or a promissory note. Um, mm -hmm. And they didn't inquire into what that looked like further. So basically, Genesis has been operating in a non-solvent way since around June of 2022. And the Winklevi twins say, well, we, we got an assurance from Genesis that they were solvent. I'm not sure that that, that assurance that they got in the form that they got it was adequate. And, you know, when you're dealing with the, these sums of money and it's customer money, I would think the Winklevi twins have a little bit more obligation to right. dig deeper to so, see 
What's so really going on? Where's the liability lie on the? Oh, let's t talk two issues. There's going to be civil liability, and that's all this is right now. It would be a civil case by the SEC, but also obviously there are customers who are suing class actions and the like. Um, and by the way, there's also been accusations that the Winklevi have uh, broadsided against the Barry Silberts of the world to suggest that there's been commingling and the like, which is uh, a, a serious accusation because all of a sudden then you get into the, the other F word, which is fraud. Right. So, but I wouldn't minimize the SEC's civil charges. They're civil enforcement charges. And the SEC is seeking an injunction, which, you know, sounds like it's fairly innocuous. You have to um, comply with federal securities laws with respect to unregistered offerings and registered offerings. But that can be a death sentence uh, for a business like Gemini. And, and certainly Genesis, too. So, you know, they're, they're seeking a lot of the same type of relief that they would get if they were charging fraud, but mm. they don't have to charge fraud. They're charging a sort of strict liability uh, violation. So it's going to be a laydown, but they get the advantage now of getting uh, possibly an injunction and disgorgement, which means give back every penny that's connected to the Gemini Earn pro Program. That's a lot of money. Right. And then penalties. So, you know, that's that's where the SEC is going. I wouldn't right. minimize that at all. It's a fascinating case. We're going to keep our eyes on it. We hope to talk to you more about it in the future. Thanks. Thanks. Next up on Squawk Pod, what the GOP House majority means for business. We're talking debt ceiling, the next Republican presidential candidate, and so much more with former House majority leader Eric Cantor. You won't see this continuing skyrocketing in spending. You won't see any discussion of any kind of tax raises. What you will see is, I think, an effort underway in the House to provide some oversight to a hyper-regulatory mode against business. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Orkin. Inflation, uh, we're deep in earnings season. It's Friday the 13th, uh, giving investors a lot to think about early in the new year, but they're also watching what's happening in Washington and what it all means for business. Uh, and this is especially true after uh, what we saw, the 15-round brawl that got Kevin McCarthy finally elected. Joining us now to speaker uh, to talk about all this, former House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. He's now vice chairman and managing director with Molas uh, and companies. So you're a really good person to have. Good to have you in, in, on set in studio, uh, Eric. So now you're in the business of, of worrying about money and investing people's money. You used to be in that other uh, business. Is there anything that people at home, investors, uh, should take away from, from what we saw with uh, Speaker McCarthy 
uh, being elected and, and having a slim majority now, uh, Republican majority in the House. Does it mean anything for investors? Sure, it means something. What's it mean? So it, what, what it means is that we, we have now seen the uh, reflection of the American voter desire to have a check and balance in terms of what was going on Barely. in the last two years. <laughs> Barely. But, but the, you know, it's, the bottom line is there is now a Republican majority in the House. And that, what that means is you won't see this continuing skyrocketing in spending. You won't see any discussion of any kind of tax raises. Uh, what you will see is, I think, an effort underway in the House to provide some oversight to what I believe is a hyper-regulatory mode against business on the part of this administration. But with what we saw, uh, with seeing how it works now to try to get a majority, um, what does it mean for, for doing anything? In let's say, could, how, could those 20 guys um, prevent us from raising the debt ceiling or shut down the government? So it, it, we've sort of like seen this movie before, right? Because yeah. when, um, but when it didn't I happen. was when, right, but when I was uh, uh, majority leader and Kevin was uh, the whip, you know, we were in a similar situation vis-a-vis -vis the Obama-Biden administration. Mm -hmm. Now we had a much bigger majority. That that has to be said. He's got a much more difficult uh, 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 challenge this time. But in that process, we sat down and there was discussion. We had actually. Uh, meetings with Vice President Biden then for many, many months. Uh, and what happened in the end was a reduction in spending. It really, it did happen. Over the course of the next several years, there was almost a trillion dollars in additional savings compared to the budget baseline. So, I, listen, I think they get there, but it's going to be a very messy process. But we've seen this before, and I sort of think people in the markets understand that. You do... Uh we just talked about your political life. So the life you're in now, are, are you making any money, uh, <laughs> M&A-wise? Do you expect to? Do you, Listen, how's, uh, the know, Fed, how's the Fed doing, in your view, and what's it doing? And why, are these, why, why, why doesn't the market believe the Fed? It, it is, uh, you know, I listened to the discussion earlier today that you were having about the sort of disjointed fact that we've got now between markets and the Fed. And listen, from Molas's standpoint, I mean, certainly this year and the one we just came off of, no question, uh, deal volumes down. You see it in all the earnings reports today on the bulge brackets. Right. Um, and, you know, no question, it's, it's about high interest rates, challenging credit markets, inflation, and, and the geopolitical uncertainty that I know we'll all talk about next right. week. Um, I think it's all weighing on things. But what we're seeing at MOLIS is increased activity on the dialogue front because when you've got this kind of volatility, people want to sort of begin to rethink their competitive position. What is, where are the opportunities in, in a time like this? Are you this? seeing that more as a divestment situation because people yeah, are hurting? Or are you seeing that more as a situation of folks who feel good about their business and have some semblance of confidence that they should be buying stuff on the cheap or so something I, look, else? I, I think there's both. I mean, I think certainly people are reevaluating sort of their competitive position given these macro elements. But I do think, you know, you've got some increased activity um, on, um, on the activism side too right now. And mm. that also can produce uh, M&A. Can, it can produce um, sales of uh, parts of companies, as we've been right. talking in many of the discussions this morning. So 
there's that, and I do think because of the situation in the public markets, there's a lot of dialogue on the part of the sponsor community about take privates. And of course, you continue to have the challenges in the credit markets. Right. It gets back to the Fed. When is that certainty going to come back? So all this, I think, has produced a lot of robust dialogue. And I think our view at Mollus is we're going to see a real pent-up demand uh, for M&A going into 2023, given where we so are on, and what on, we came off of. On a relative basis, uh, or no, on an absolute basis, interest rates are still low. But on a relative basis, this has been jarring, and it's gone up really quickly. What kind of economy can we expect six months from now or, or a year from now? Has the Fed done enough? They need to do more? So, I mean, look, I think, you know, given the fact we're a 70 percent consumer economy, I mean, you know, the discussion about inflation, I think, is, is very meaningful to go in and to, then to apply that to the prospects for business, right? And so, you know, it is about inflation. And Brian Deese was on talking about all the, what he said was good news. But in absolute numbers, people are still facing significant costs. You know, services, going out to eat, going, right. I mean, it, th this is real for families, and we've got to get a handle on that. And, and I'm not sure that the Fed, in terms of trying to destroy demand, trying to get wages under control, is going to be the response to that. So we'll see. But again, Joe, to your point, this uncertainty is what is challenging, certainly on the deal side of things. It's, it's, it's challenging everywhere. Uh, and let's just hope, I think, back to your other question about D.C., let's just hope that that uncertainty doesn't add to the aggravation. Can I, can I ask one regulatory question yeah. about transactions right now? Yeah. Given the aggressiveness, we just had uh, Lena Khan from the FTC yeah. in last week. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Given what she's doing, given what the DOJ seems to be doing, how far do you think you can go in terms of sort of uh, headline-grabbing transactions right now? Yeah. I, I, look, Andrew, I think no question that... Uh, when you think you have a high-profile transaction, um, everyone has to sort of reset their expectations for the time it's going to take, the effort it's going to but take. But you just mark your calendar and say, we can't even have this conversation till maybe 24 and maybe 28, depending on what you think is happening Well, I mean, listen, politically uh, listen, in this country. The, the, the DOJ, they've not had a great track record when it comes to the disposition in the courts of what they're trying to do. I mean, I think that... Do so you think if they lose, in, I mean, this, we've talked about this, if they lose in the courts big time, and they've been, and that's what they've been. That's where they've been thus far. You know? But you then have to, but then you still have to take the risk that they're going to still, right. they're going to take the chance. To and, and that's all about shareholders. And, well, and everybody wants somebody else to go first. You go first. You, you attract the attention and we'll sneak in around behind you <laughs> right. when that gets settled out. Right. I mean, I just think that the position this administration is taking in trying to change the standard of antitrust is so beyond what's in the law. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I go back and I, I, I point to and give credit to, frankly, somebody like Elizabeth Warren, because this has been part of her plan all along. And because she didn't get the presidential nomination, she didn't get the sec, uh, Treasury of, uh, Secretary of Treasury, what she did is she kept her head down and she put all of her people in these agencies that reflect really? that view. And it's, I think, very destructive to the competitiveness of our country. <laughs> What's going to happen in Congress now? I mean, you, you know these people well. Um, are we going to face a government shutdown at this point? So, Becky, I don't want to diminish the gravity of a government shutdown, but a shutdown is different than a debt ceiling. So the, the, the debt ceiling default, um, I think that there is a way... Um, in normal course to get something done just as we did back in 2011 right. with Obama-Biden. But right. 
if not, if, if the, the resurgence, uh, if the opposition on the Republican side digs in right. and there's no cooperation on the part of the Senate, um, there is a fail-safe, what they call break glass way to make this thing happen. And the Democrats are already talking about uh, what's called a discharge petition uh, to leverage their numbers in the House and to attract enough Republicans to go along with them to get something passed. So Eric, They're already talking about that. The, so I, do, I think we're going to get through this. It's just going to be a lot of drama. The Journal uh, points out that it's weird to have two special prosecutors for what they say are going to be the two presumptive nominees in 2024, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. You think Donald Trump, you're from Virginia at the battleground state, young candidate, everything else. So I don't know what, you, you have a pretty good feel for that. You think Donald Trump's going to be the, First the nominee? All, I'm from Virginia, so I'm looking at Glenn Youngkin, right? Okay. So we, but, we, we are, um, but the journal seemed to assume that, I, I thought that look, after, after the last election that that was much less. Joe, there's no, well, listen, I, 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 no question that Donald Trump is still is still the most impactful candidate in terms of the Republican base there is. And if you have somebody that comes in with a block of voters the way he does, and then there are another dozen candidates that hop in, you're going to see a replay of what happened in 16. So I, I do think that he is the strongest right now. We still got a long way to go in terms of the DeSantis outperforms him on Florida. In Florida. Just Florida? But, in Florida. But I think in terms of the Republican activist base nationwide, no question, he's still the strongest. Okay. So. All right, Eric Cantor, thank you. Yeah, you, it, was, uh, it was pretty tumultuous back when, they, when you got primary, too. This is like hey, crazy listen, stuff is, goes I on. I always it's say that, you know, we, we, may be, we may have been the tip of the spear on the, on the rise of populism. Yeah. Uh, certainly in my party. And... Um, uh, you, you like know, what you're doing now a lot more, right? I'm, I feel very lucky to be <laughs> at Molas and uh, to experience the markets uh, and, and almost practicing what we preached uh, when we talked about the private sector when in public office. But yeah. I was in public office for 25 years, so right. almost. So well, uh, we'll see you in vodka. We'll, have, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in Davos. We'll have vodka, <laughs> vodka. vodka and caviar. Yeah, vodka and caviar. It's a, you know, they're solving uh, climate change with vodka and Absolutely. caviar. Absolutely. So. Come, I know. Come in. All right. But you're flying commercial. Absolutely. Good for you. That's the podcast for today and for the week. Thank you for listening, as always. Squawk Box, our TV broadcast, is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from that TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod here, wherever you're listening. We'll meet you back here on Tuesday when we'll be delivering you some special content straight from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Until then... Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.